Living God, Spirit of. 
réussi. I know, we're supposed to do another song or two, right? We're all mixed up, but it'll be okay. Uh, hey, good morning, Cap City Church. Yeah, good to be with you today. Y'all look good today. Hey, uh, we're going to do a baby dedication, so up here, up here. So they, they need to look at you, not me, yeah. Um, sometimes when we do these, we invite family and friends up, but... Um, You'll see here in a second, I think, that these people are pretty loved, but I will. If you're here today, primarily, I mean, I know you wanted to check out our church and you wanted to hear me preach today, but if you're here today primarily because we're dedicating this baby, could you stand up right now? We just want to see the love and support that's around this family. Will you give them a hand? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Now, I'll, I'll tell you... Um, it's a, it's a very humbling thing for me to be doing this this morning because I, I know some of you have got to know Amber and Colton and know bits and pieces of their story, um, but they are, they're both PKs. So they said, hey, we wanted to set a baby dedication. They said, um, you know, and I said, I don't, by the way, if you ever want to have your baby dedicated, get baptized, like you don't, like the schedule's wide open. They're like, well, we want it to fit. Like a baby dedication always fits in my service. A baptism always fits in my service. Um, and so I just asked, I said, well, which one of your dads are doing it? And they said, you're doing it. I go, oh, okay. Like, thanks, guys. Like, that means, that means a lot to me. Um, but then as I got to see Brian, I'm sorry. Um, I haven't got to meet Amber's dad ever. We haven't got to get to meet you, sir. Um, also, I know at different moments in my life to be able to sit and just watch and just to get to enjoy that time, be with family is a big deal, too. So, again, such an honor and privilege for me to be able to do this for my friends uh, this morning. And uh, just this morning's going to be pretty simple. There's a couple of passages I want to read and talk about. And the goal is just to finish everything without Nolan waking up. That's, that's the goal this morning. Uh, so I'll start with just a passage from Psalm 127 that many of us know is familiar. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it will, with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late night, anxiously waiting for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. I'm not my dad, or I'd say some smart thing to Amber, like, so you have to have like 50 children. But uh, you guys figure that out on your own. <laughs> He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And I'll circle back to verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house. And so many here today could testify to that man. We need the Lord to raise these kids. Amen. We're going to do our best and our best is going to fall short. And we're going to try again. And it's our job to keep trying and keep working. And to make sure that we protect and guard their hearts. But we need the Lord. We need their help in this. And anybody that's, Nolan's not quite two months old. Um, but Amber and Colton know that one of the greatest gifts that God could give them right now is rest. And that is a gift from God that they'll hopefully experience more and more here in the near future than they have been. But this is Nolan Douglas Dutiel. 
He was born on July 21st, so he's just a couple, just a couple days short of two months. And I, I do think this is the youngest baby dedication. Some people are three months, six months, a year, forget, and ask me to do it when they're 11. And I, I'll do it any time, right? Like, uh, but at the same time, uh, I love that this was just an immediate thought as a next step. That it's not anything that I'm doing or that I'm saying. It's a commitment from Amber and Colton. To raise this child. They are dedicating, just like Hannah did with Samuel in the Old Testament, they are dedicating Nolan to Jesus. That's a pretty big deal. So um, I'll read just another couple of verses from Matthew 19 that will actually be part of our text today. Uh, it, Matthew 19, 13 says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So I'm going to talk to Amber and Colton here for just a second, and you all can listen in. I'm going to ask them to make a commitment, and then I'm going to turn to all of you and ask for you to make a commitment as well. In presenting this child, Nolan, for dedication, you signify not only your faith in the Christian faith or religion, but also your desire that he may early know and follow the will of God. In today's day and age, guys, I think more than ever, that he knows right from the bat, early on, to follow God. That you've made a commitment to live and die as a Christian and so that we might come upon everlasting blessing when we go to heaven one day. In order to attain this holy end, it will be your duty as parents to teach him early the fear of the Lord, to watch over his education, which is not his schooling. It's education from every angle in which it might try to come at him or how he might absorb information from different places and that he not be led astray. To direct his youthful mind to the holy word of God and his feet to the sanctuary to worship. To restrain him from evil associates and habits and as much as in you lies to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you will endeavor to do this by the help of God, please answer, we will. Now, Congregation, I'm not going to ask you to stand. You can stay seated right where you are. But I will ask you, will you commit yourself as the body of Christ to support and encourage, buy dinner for, give gift cards to, babysit if asked to, for these parents as they endeavor to fulfill their responsibility to this child? And to assist by nurturing his growth towards spiritual maturity. If so, answer, we will. Let's pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we do here and now dedicate in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, Noah Douglas Dutil. We humbly pray that you will take this child into your loving care. We know that you already have, but that you would continue to watch over him abundantly enrich him with your heavenly grace. Bring him safely through the perils of childhood. Deliver him from the temptations of youth. Lead him to a personal knowledge, a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Help him to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Give godly counsel to Amber and Colton, God. When they feel like they're up against and are lost for answers, God, we pray that you would be very near to them, that they would seek your voice and no other. Lord, that they would do what's best for this child, disregarding all others. Just as you have looked upon us as one of your children. 
Thank you, God, for a time to do this. Thank you, God, for overseeing it. And we do believe, God, in the blessing of this ceremony over these two parents and this baby. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give them one more hand this morning? They joked before the service that they were just going to leave this picture up the whole time I preached. And I said, believe it or not, every time I go to make a challenging point today, that would probably help me out quite a bit. I could just point over to uh, Nolan there. That's a pretty good one. Um, but hey, you know, we're, we're starting a new series today. Um, let me, just before I do that, we'll let them sit down. I, I do want to, because we don't have an announcement video today, You'll see the, the bulletin's taking on a little different form. It really has a lot to do with us just changing software and trying to figure out the format we want to do with it. But something I really want to point you to, especially if you're a first-time guest, is there's something really easy on here. There's a, bar, like a, there's a QR uh, code that you can scan here. And you can scan that with your phone. You'll see it says um, if you need to submit a, uh, a prayer request or basically everything that you would fill out on a connection card if you want to do that digitally, you can scan that QR code, and it takes you right to where you can do that. So you can know that every single prayer request that is submitted through the QR code, uh, through the website, and on your connection cards is prayed over by multiple people on Tuesday mornings, on Wednesday nights, and many people carry that prayer list around with them and pray over them every day. It's something we take very, very seriously here. Um, but there's other there's other information that's there. Um, but uh, again, I, you wanted to say, hey, where'd the bulletin go? Well, it just you don't have to open it now. It's just front and back, and uh, we'll make sure we continue to tell you everything um, that you need to do. So if you are a first-time guest, so glad that you're here. You are my favorite person here today, and I mean that. Um, and I will follow that up with a cup of coffee or lunch or dinner um, at your house or my house or wherever you want me to meet you. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting with one of our first-time guests um, in his office cafeteria this week because that's what was easy for him. I'll do that to be with you. Um, because we want you to find a place to call your church home, and we'd really love for it to be Capital City Church. We're starting a new series today, and believe it or not, we're going to talk about children. Um, sometimes a, a baby dedication just it falls where it will, and I might not necessarily work uh, a sermon on children into it, especially depending on what the birth rate's like in any given congregation. Um, but I had already been, God had already been leading me towards a series um, which you can understand could run for two weeks or 50 weeks, but I'm going to keep it to three this time around. Um, and it's just entitled WWJD. Um, you guys know the bracelet. Um, by chance, anybody wearing a WWJD bracelet right now? Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, okay, no. no. So I hang out with, um, I coach high school sports, and I see it starting to show up a little bit more. It was a pretty big deal um, when I was in high school, I think I had two or three different colors. I wore it once to make me holier than everybody else. Um, but if you're not familiar, because there's a possibility that you're not, these WWJD bracelets were supposed to be a reminder that anytime we were going to make a decision, that we should look at this bracelet and we should ask the crucial question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So then, if you saw someone wearing one, it might be a fair question to pose to that person, so you want to be like Jesus, huh? 
you've probably, over the years, depending on what your experience in church has been or around such a bracelet, you've probably heard someone swear while they were wearing this bracelet. I've seen someone taking a drink while wearing one of these bracelets. I've seen someone treat other people poorly, like their boss or their employee, or while wearing these, uh, one of these bracelets. Um, and so not in a way to call them out, but if you're wearing one of these, the idea is that you're trying to think about what it might look like to be more like Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Scripture to think about some things that Jesus would or wouldn't do, some things he, he did or didn't say, and some ways he might want us to reflect his character in the way we mirror his teaching in today's day and age. And so we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 1 first, um, and then I'm going to reread the passage that I shared with you during the dedication from Matthew um, 19, where Jesus is talking about children in both cases. And church, I'll let you know, this was supposed to be, like, I'll tell you where we're going the next couple weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus being a friend of sinners. The week after that, we're going to talk about how Jesus died for you. And those are ones like, oh, man, those are, those are challenging. We're just talking about how Jesus would love the little children, right? Let's sing Jesus loves me and get out of here. But we treat children like they're a nuisance in this culture. They did back then, too. Did you know that? The, the disciples did it, so, and, and Jesus wanted us to know that they did it, so he put it in the Bible. And so it's a bigger issue than we consider. Um, and so I'm going to try to be gracious as I go after this thing that Jesus went after in, in a pretty difficult way. So Matthew chapter, uh, chap, chapter 18, verse 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him among them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So whoever will humble himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Receive children, receive Jesus, right? Pretty easy. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. I hate to say this, church, but you know, you guys, y'all have, there's some of you that have, uh, some of you have complimented me and, and said you, I've made you feel more comfortable because I'm a transparent pre uh, preacher. Some of you have judged me because I do it, not to my face because you don't want to do that. Um, some of you think you like my transparency, but after so long going like, hey, is this guy even a Christian? He talks about all of his failures too much. I've made a little child sin before. Do you know that? I didn't like that when I was reading that text this week. I have. Somewhere along the way, in various ways I have, and I had to confess that to God. Like, God, I, I've done that before. I've, I've caused a, a child to sin by maybe my behavior or, or the way I pattern my living, the way I spoke harshly to someone. They're always watching us, church. He says that whoever calls this little one to believe in me to sin, he said, get the imagery here. Jesus Christ, the one that you love and, and, and you cherish and you think he'd be so much nicer, nicer of a preacher than I would be, says, I want you to go get a heavy, big cement block and I want him to tie it around your neck and I want him to take you in a boat and drive you out and drive you out. I don't know what you, how, we didn't have motors back then, right? I want them to paddle you out to the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee and drop you in, right? Just, he's, he, had, he, had, he had a personality, didn't he? 
Now jump to Matthew 19, verse 13. Then some children were brought to him so that he would lay hands on them and pray. They're in a different city at this point. And the disciples rebuked them. So every once in a while, it would be cool to see like, if we could know exactly what the time lapse was between certain conversations and others. Because I, I will say this. I really do believe that sometimes we read... So if you read Matthew in 18 and 19, you say, wow, it only took the disciples five minutes to forget that. They had traveled. It had maybe been a couple weeks. But either way, it says the disciples rebuked them. Maybe they were still upset that Jesus didn't tell them that they were going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, leave the children alone and do not forbid them to come to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So if Jesus wanted this to be recorded in scripture through St. Matthew, in back-to-back chapters, it means he knew the disciples didn't get it the first time. And if those 12 men who walked with Jesus didn't get it in one try, we're, we're probably okay with a little bit of a refresher. So let me, let me pray for me. Can I pray for me? You guys can listen in. Father, I, I need your help this morning because I want to speak this in a way that would spur us on to love children more. Not to be one where we just feel like we're being rebuked for the way that we've acted or parented or treated children in church, but instead that we would see that the way that we treat children is a reflection of our relationship with you. That's what you said in your word here. Help us to wrap our heads around that. Help us to accept difficult truths and allow those hard truths to, to make and produce soft hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I can't work with children. You ever heard that phrase? I won't ask you if you've ever said it. I can't work with children. So, I believe, I heard somebody say this one time, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was one of the greatest things I ever heard on preaching, um, that preaching is an ongoing conversation between a pastor and his congregation, right? So some of you are like, I'm a visitor today. I think it's so great that you dedicated Nolan. I want you to preach a good message that I can say I enjoy and leave. But I'm glad that you're here. You're getting to be a part of the family because we're about four months into getting to know each other. I want you to think more and more. This is a principle that's kind of away from the message, but I'm going to apply it here in just a second. I want you to think more and more how when you say something to a pastor or something, someone in church leadership, how you want us to receive that. I can't work with children. All right, I can't work with children. I needed some children. Oh, by the way, I already told somebody, this, is, this message, you've heard the pastor preach this and then say, go to the Welcome Center and sign up to work in Children's Church because we're dying for volunteers. You're not getting that this week. You can sign up to work with children whenever you want, whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you to do so, right? You don't need me to do that. I can't work with children. I've sat in my office multiple times, so I've said, Pastor, if you need me to help with, with potlucks, if you need me to be on the worship team, you, hey, I don't want you on my worship team if you can't work with children. I don't say somebody say amen, but somebody should understand that to say amen. I don't want you preaching or teaching adults if you can't work with children. As a person or as a pastor, do you know that this one phrase has caused me to hesitate more than any other phrase when I was considering whether or not to use someone in ministry? There's a person that, man, they, were, they knew the Bible, and they had a good education, and they had good people skills. Pastor, I will do anything you want me to do in the church, but I cannot work with children. I go, oh, okay. 
Like I just smiled and grinned and said, hey, we'll pray about it. We'll think about it. In my head, I'm going, I, there, I, didn't, have the, I didn't have the words. The Holy Spirit didn't give me the words to speak um, a truth in love at that moment, so I didn't speak a truth at all. In the church, we've accepted a lot of excuses for a lot of different reasons. Well, you know, I'm a little older now, or that person's older, so they shouldn't be working with the younger people. We need the people that work with the children to be energetic, and that would be better for a younger person. Now, I'll tell you that I've done a lot of work with kids and teens over the years. I used to be a youth pastor, and I do think as we age, it's perfectly acceptable to say that we don't do all-night lock-ins anymore. Whoever the devil was that created that idea, what a trick. I will say, this is, I mean, again, we're, we're here in a spirit of confession. I will say, I have tricked younger guys and be like, oh, yeah, you should do that lock-in. That's good for you, like, uh, whatever. But that's just, it is. It's one of those things we just get tricked into. But when a person says, I can't work with children, then I wonder if they've ever truly become as childlike as Jesus requested in Matthew 18. In back-to-back sentences, Jesus says to humble yourself like a child and then receive little children. And when you do, it will then be evident that you have received me. Now, I, 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 this is just the way I kind of work, and it has to do with somebody saying, somebody would say that knows me closer, it has a lot to do with me being a math nerd. But I see some properties when I read scripture like this, I go, well, if Jesus said that if I receive children, then I receive him, then if I don't receive children, I don't receive Jesus. Is that fair? Isn't that what the Bible says here? Or can we understand that from the Bible? Now, I can't, I can't help but notice the order in which Jesus said things. If becoming like a child helps me receive children, then if I struggle to receive, work with, or teach children, have I truly become like a child in the sense that Jesus meant? I've heard, I'm not old yet, so I've heard this about getting older. I've heard that the older that we become, the more difficult we have in pretending to be who we are not. The older we get, the harder that we struggle to pretend to be who we're not. Because whether we realize it, the younger we are, the more we work to fit into molds to appease or impress peers and the current culture. But the older we get, the more our true colors show. I mean, just for a second, wives, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be nice to you today, I'm gonna be tough on husbands, is that okay? Wives. <laughs> I bet a whole bunch of you never expected to see all the colors that a man might show over all of his years of marriage. Is that about right? Some of you probably wish you could go back to a time when he was trying to impress you. I'll tell you what, though. As I was putting this message together, I realized that you could just about split a group of adults into two categories. One who grows more in love with little children and one who grows more agitated by them. Will you think for just about a second and tell me that's not just about right? I grow more in love with little children or I grow more agitated by them. Just this week on the radio, I heard there was a nursing home that recognized when their tenants, the the people that lived in the nursing home, had their baby grandchildren and great-grandchildren visit, that it changed the whole atmosphere of the facility. And they actually started paying parents, this particular nursing home, started paying parents 
uh, in formula and diapers if they would bring any children in under three just to hang out with the seniors. So you young parents, if you need some some free time and need some diaper and formulas, well, they never did say. I'm sure you could Instagram it or TikTok it or whatever else you do on social media that you know your pastor doesn't know about. And I'm sure pastoring is nothing like running an old old people's home or a nursing home, but I have a hunch that some of the old folks in that facility probably don't like this. I bet there were some that say, I don't want this. I don't want little babies running all over the place. Babies cry. Did you know babies cry? There you go. Man, right on. Good job. Good job, buddy. Woo. There's not a person in this place that I'm happier that's here than him this morning. That's great. Babies cry. Babies slobber. You ever baby slobber on you? Yeah. Is there anybody, you okay with the baby slobbering on you? Anybody want an adult slobbering on you? It's just a different thing. Babies make messes. They don't produce anything, do they? They don't produce anything. Well, <laughs> they don't produce, not in the way of work or, pro, you got, yeah. So they don't produce a lot of useful things for us. And they are so dependent on others to take care of them. I wonder what Jesus was looking for when he said, be like a child. It's okay to make a few messes. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be dependent on somebody else. You see what happens is we get hard hearts and we quit crying because we don't think it's mature to show emotion. We don't want to be embarrassed or be thought less of, so we spend more time on appearance than we do on being authentically who God created us to be. Man, I thought it was so cool. We had some friends over yesterday and they have a girl that's Wesley's age. And uh, they showed up at our house. And I say friends. This was, a, this was a childhood friend. And I was getting moved back to the area. I'm getting to reconnect with them a little bit. Nothing bad ever happened, right? We just we lived in different places. And we, we just lost touch. And they said, man, we should have them over. We had them over. Their, their sixth grade daughter was there. And she came in. And I, I, love, I love kids that look like Wesley. And I don't mean because he looks like me in that sense. I mean, because you, we loved, was, I think it was last year, we took Wesley to the doctor. And, and Wesley, from about here down to his feet, really to the bottom of his feet, he looks like somebody beat him with a stick at any given time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just always cut up and scarred and dirty and bruised because he just runs hard and slams into stuff. And he's always outside and he's playing. He's all over the place. And I love that this little girl who's in a house that she's never been in with people she's never been around, comes in and she comes up to me she goes hey can I go outside and play yeah you can and she wasn't afraid to do that because she was still okay with being her authentic self now she's gonna have to fight when she gets into middle school and high school and gets into college and becomes an adult to not just fit some mold that everybody says they're supposed to look like but children are their authentic self they are the authentic picture of what God created them to be as an individual But we become prideful and we don't want anyone else to help us. And we've learned how to do such a good job at this that we don't need to be dependent on God anymore. And do you know what happens when we become self-dependent? We start to casually and maybe quietly or not so quietly look down on everyone who isn't. You won't probably hear me preach politics as much as the next uh, pastor, but 
it, it sure is easy to speak down about someone on welfare, food stamps, or whatever other program that you talk against when you're not the one who needs it. And I hope somebody in their heart says amen today. I think if the truth be known, the more we protect what we have and use it to take care of ourselves more than others, the less like children we can be. Children will give you anything. Anything. Do you know how many times my kids have done something? <laughs> they know. They're old enough to know. Do you know how, time, how many times my kids have done something? Oh, this is great. Can I just tell you a story? Because it's, it's just worth a couple minutes. And it'll, it'll explain to you how much my family needs Allison more than me as a parent. Or they, she, we need, I, I, we, both of us are needed, right? But every year Allison goes on this trip. She goes on this trip with her, uh, her sister and her mom and her great aunt. And usually Amish country, I don't know if they ever mix it up, but it's just a good time for them to get away. And she goes every year and she just, she leaves me and three boys at home by ourselves on a weekend when I'm going to be getting ready for church and probably just leaves the house and goes, dear God, Please, oh, please, let my house be here. Please don't let my house burn down. And it's a good thing last year she said that prayer. Luke gets ear infections. Luke's my middle one. Luke's 10. So last year he would have been 9. Luke gets ear infections. And he's got them enough over the years that he understands what we do, right? There's eardrops. There's Motrin. There's heating pads. And so Allison's gone. It's Saturday night. And all the kids are asleep. I go to bed. Luke used to be, he's getting better, he used to be kind of nocturnal, you know, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, and you know, once you know he's not going outside to play in traffic, and he knows how to turn the TV on and get a Pop-Tart or something, you just don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> so, this is, so I wake up about 5.30 on Sunday morning. It's not like I was sleeping in or being lazy or being a slob. I'm up at 5.30 on Sunday morning to get the kids ready for church, to preach, all those kind of things, and uh, I open my door and outside my door, there's a note with money in it. Oh, this is interesting. So I flip open that. This is a full-page letter from Luke. 5.30, people. 5.30 in the morning. Full-page letter and some money. Dear Dad, I woke up this morning and I had an ear infection. So I went to put, everybody, we call it a warmie in our house. Like a big sack of rice you put in the microwave. And you all know what I'm talking about, Right? The older we are, the more of them we have in our house. Um, you, you put this thing in the microwave, you heat it up, and you can put it around your neck or whatever. And so Luke's used to warn me before. <laughs> Dad, I could not find the warmie this morning. So I heated up one of mom's dish towels in the microwave. <laughs> All of a sudden, I feel inclined to go, yeah, the house smells like smoke. But don't worry, <laughs> when it caught on fire, <laughs> I took it outside and threw it in the snow. <laughs> I collected myself. I went downstairs and I said, buddy, you did the right thing throwing the towel in the snow. <laughs> what was I supposed to say to him? He thought he was doing the right thing. He now knows forever dish towels don't go in the microwave, that they will catch on fire. And could I have really been more upset? He didn't have time to come talk to me about what to do with the fiery dish towel. He put it in the snow. He did the right thing. That came, I, I thought the Holy Spirit, he just came, brought that story to mind. I thought you might enjoy it, um, just to show you how fun I am as a dad. Um, but that was all to circle back to he had taken all the money. 
all the money out of his piggy bank and said, here, Dad. He didn't say, I need to save it for toys. He didn't say, I need to save it for when we go to wherever we go today, Chuck E. Cheese or Dave and Buster's, that kind of thing. He just, it, it's all yours. That's a child. I'm going to take care of it. I'm, whatever, I, whatever I have is yours. Church, I'll tell you, this isn't a message on money, but the whole gospel is there in every message we preach. We hang on to stuff way too tight. We are way too self-dependent. We have not become like children. And there is something that I've learned. The more that I read scripture and the more that I become a disciple of Jesus Christ, if there's something in the Bible that Jesus says, if you act this way, you'll become this way, I've recognized you cannot fight it. If you hold too close to stuff, you won't trust him the way that you should. You want to learn to put your faith and trust in Jesus more, you need to let go of more of your resources that are causing you to be so dependent on yourself. My surplus should be used to supply the needs of God's children. Now, I, some of you said, Jonathan, I can work with children, right? I, you, for all of you that went ahead and just said he's talking to somebody else, I got another one for you. I'm not called to work with children. Now, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I, I would work with children if that's where God had called me. So do you remember last week? Last week that um, we talked about our calling. We talked about our calling. And God can give you your giftings for sure. He gives us all spiritual gifts, and, and he creates us with personalities that give us the opportunity to do different things. But I can tell you that in my life, I don't consider my call to ministry at a particular church to be the totality of my calling. You all understand, you've heard my story, that I believe God called Allison, and I don't believe I know. I know God called Allison and me and the boys to be the lead pastor at Cap City Church. But that doesn't mean I just stand here and preach every week. It doesn't mean that I just do pastoral care or I handle the administrative things that take place here in the church. That is not my total, the totality of my call as a Christian. It's not the totality of my call. I believe that my calling comes over and over again in fresh waves as I read the Word of God, discern who He has called us to be, and then consider in my own life how I can live out that truth. So from the passage I just read today, and I hope you do this when you read the Bible. I mean, you just this is how good God is. I read on a schedule. I've told you that. My reading this morning and my, on my schedule is Matthew 18. And I hope when you read the scriptures, you go, well, God, how can I live that out more? How can I show that I'm called to be like Christ and be more Christ-like from the passage I just read? From the passage we just read today, does it say, if you're a woman, you are called to minister to children? Nope, don't see that. Did he say if you're a particular age, you were called to minister to children? Nope, don't see that. Did he say if you're an extrovert, you should minister to children? Nope, don't see that. I say this to you with great confidence today, church, as we begin a new series entitled, What Would Jesus Do? If Jesus were on staff at a local church today, which honestly I'm not sure that he would be, but if Jesus were on staff at a local church today, he wouldn't be standing here where I am. He would be the children and the youth pastor. Just go wrestle with that and reconcile that however you want. He would be working with the children. Do you know how I do that? Because it's what he did. It's what he did. Where are the kids? Bring them to me. Where are the kids? Bring them to me. Disciples, teenager, teenager, 20-something, teenager. Nobody. Basically, all he did was worked with the children and youth and then fought with the rest of the church about how they were behaving towards the children and the youth. Well, children don't tithe. 
Did you know that? Some of them might, but most of them probably don't. And a lot of adults don't either. They tear up stuff. And if we don't strategically position our children's ministry to reach their parents, it won't grow the church. I'll tell you what I know. I'm young, but 40 is still the next number I'm going to see. And as I enter this next stage of life, I'm far less concerned about growing a church, at least in the North American sense of growth anyway. And I've become far more concerned about doing what the Bible says to do. Now, I think we can do both, but if we grow a church without being a people who loves children, we will have missed the mark. And, we won't be, and, and what will happen is we won't have become people who look like Jesus, and then we will raise kids to be Christians or churchgoers that will miss the mark as well. Can I just lovingly say this to anybody in here that's not a kid, which is most of us? I can't tell you for the next three months, six months, or a year, if you had a complaint about the way the church was running, if you came and talked to the pastor and started off with, hey, I think we could reach more kids if. Did you know almost every complaint that comes to the church starts out with, I don't like. I'm here to tell you, church, I'm never going to be a pastor that's concerned with what you like. Is that okay? That's who I am. That's who I'm going to be. That's who the Bible, that's what the Holy Spirit's called me to be. I don't like isn't why we would change or shift something in the church. When someone comes to me, like Tara did this morning, with an idea about, I think we could grow children's and youth ministry with this, I'm going, do whatever you want, Tara. If you think that'll make the difference, that's where my heart's going to be as well. A group of megachurch pastors was, were sitting in a circle one day talking ministry and answering different questions that they were being asked in an interview. And one of the questions they were asked was, what is your greatest fear? And the first one said, my fear is that I'll be seen as a pastor to thousands and thousands of people and my kids will grow up to hate the church. That's scary, isn't it? Some of you, as, as heartbreaking I know it is, you might be on the other side of that and, and you could be in that place. And it doesn't mean it's your fault, but your heart's broken and, and you would give anything to see your babies and your grandkids in church. And one right after another, they all agreed that that would be their greatest fear as well. My kids, Wesley and Luke and Benjamin, they love it here at Cap City. They wear their Cap City t-shirts to, to school all the time. They can't wait to get here on Wednesday nights. They can't wait to get here on Sunday mornings. They love all of you. You've all been so nice to me. When I find out one of you hasn't been nice to them, I will come after you. I, we are going to fight. I don't care if you have to fake it. You be good to my kids. But seriously, you can know this, that in my opinion, there's nothing that should ever cause a church leadership team to want to dismiss someone from, from a church more quickly than seeing someone act harshly, mean, or rough with a child. In so many words, Jesus said, in so many words, Jesus said, if you cause trouble for a child, you should be fitted for cement boots and go swimming with the fishes. Right? A little mafia edge there. Maybe Jesus wasn't quite there. We're going to spend three weeks talking about what we should do to be more Christ-like. And I know this isn't the typical altar call, response kind of message, but I wonder this morning when you take some time to pray, we are going to do some more worship. We just did a couple songs up front because we wanted to split the service up a little bit. But I wonder when you pray this morning, if you would just say, God, the pastor reminded us this morning of how much you love children.
Is that fair? It was all Bible. You had to deal with a little of my commentary in between. But what we said from the Word of God was, was hard and fast, wasn't it? Jesus said, love children, love me. Treat children wrong. I wish you were dead. You know what Jesus said? I wish you were dead. That's how seriously he took it. I mean, if there's some other interpretation somebody can come up with about a millstone at the bottom of the sea, please let me know. But what if you just prayed, I could be a little bit more patient. I could be a little bit more calm. I could be a little bit less annoyed. Help me to see children the way you see children. Because I know that's how you look at me, Jesus. Church, it's a growth opportunity for us. One of my staff pastors at my last church loved to say, healthy churches are made up of healthy families. And so this message isn't just for the church. If we want to be a healthy church, we need our our families in our church to be healthy. And healthy families are going to love their children. And if we love children more, we'll be more like Christ. And if we look more like Christ, we will carry a stronger witness to a lost and dying world. I'm going to go ahead and invite the team. We're going to worship some more this morning. But I will do this. Some of you might have heard the message this morning and think it's about the way you treat or we treat or accept a child here in the church. But the most important child you will ever love is your own. most important child you will ever love is your own. And honestly, you, you, we all know this to be the, the case, and, and I hope you're a better person than me. But most of the time, our spouses get the last of us. Most of the time, our kids get the leftovers. Most of the time, we spend so much time working and providing for them and doing all these different things. But for whatever reason, we're justified in how we treat each other or say things inside our own four walls. You might note that if you go home today and you read the rest of the scriptures between Matthew 18 and 19, I would, I'd encourage you, if you want to grow in this message, and I think you should, it's such a great practice, take a sermon's preach and say, I'm going to take that message and see if I can grow with it this week. If you go home and study Matthew 18 and 19, in the middle of those two ideas where Jesus talked about children, he talked about divorce. Matthew 18 and 19 might have just been one of the first uh, family and marriage conferences that the church ever held. But in between those two commentaries on children, Jesus answered a question on divorce. And some of you know this passage. They said to Jesus, why, why did Moses say they'd get divorced? And I love this. Jesus didn't say, yeah, go ahead, get divorced. Jesus said this. It's not what I want. Right? He said, it's not what I want. He said, he said, I told you, like, he said, I, way back in the beginning, I told you two should become one, and you should be one flesh, and you should be together. He said, but there's stubbornness of heart out there. And he said, that's why Moses said it. I didn't say it. Moses. He said, Moses said it. It's because stubbornness of heart. He, he was speaking for me, and that's what he said. So, so do it. But I'll tell you, as I read and re-re- as I read and reread these two chapters over and over this week, let me tell you what I saw. Jesus knew what divorced, and I'm not just going to, I'm not picking on you if you're divorced today. I, I know those are real, hurtful, challenging situations. But Jesus knew not just divorce, but there's a plenty of unhealthy marriages that people are staying together. And stay together and keep fighting, but get, get help, keep fighting. Jesus knew what divorced and unhealthy marriages did to families and especially children. So when they came and asked him questions about divorce, I can almost picture him saying, look, if you adults want to beat up each other, if you want to be angry, if you want to be stubborn with each other, that's one thing. But you better take care of those babies. 
because they're hurting. They're the ones in all these situations. And, and I'm not trying, I, I know this is hard, and, and Jesus spoke some hard words, church. But I'll never forget that I worked with a, a person in Canada years ago that had zero biblical knowledge and zero concern for the scriptures. And I don't know how or why, but I asked him what he thought about parenting. And he said, I think the most important thing a child needs is to see a happy mom and dad. And I said, huh, that's pretty good. I don't know if I can tie it into any scripture, but that's pretty good. And so that principle's not at the very top of my list, but mom and dad hear this. There's not a much more powerful example you can set for your children than a mutual love and respect for one another. I'll tell you what, and you all have done it too. Every once in a while you see something in like, your child and you go, where on earth did they learn that from? You go, oh, that's right. That sounds like me. That sounds like Allison. Nothing we can do to set a better example for our children than mutual love and respect. And there's not much more damage that we can do than showing them examples of anger and disrespect. And I just feel led in my spirit to lean into this a little bit, church. We talk about generational curses. We talk about alcoholism and drug addiction. Maybe somebody's coming from a place where you say, Pastor, this is hard. My parents were divorced. You can break that chain. You can break that. You can cause a change to take place. That is an epidemic that's just as big as so many other things we're fighting against in the church today. You can break the chains. You can make a difference for the next generation. Consider your view and your, tr and your treatment of children this morning. I think it's pretty fair to say our scriptures today say it's a clear reflection of how we receive Christ. So here's what we're gonna do. For those of you that are used to a, a normal Sunday morning, normally on the third song we open the altars and we have pastors available to pray, but you can know in our church the altars are always open, pastors are always ready to pray with you. We only did two songs earlier, we're gonna do two, two songs now. We're gonna sing, I speak the name of Jesus, and we're gonna sing Reckless Of. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus and we're gonna believe that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to overcome every addiction, to heal every hurting family. I know, and I'm not unsensitive to the fact that child abuse, that poor treatment of children, that unhealthy marriages that are divorced, I, I can relate to all those personally in my own family tree. But we start right here, right now. We can put the past behind us and we can move forward. So if you need to just be absorbed in God's love this morning, if you need to cry out to Jesus, that's what this altar is for. As we leave this place today, could we just lift him in worship? Let's stand on our feet. Let me pray for you. And then let's just praise the name of Jesus. God, we're so thankful today that we are a child of God. And Lord, I pray that every ear was attentive today to hear that I was speaking the truth with great love, God. That I know that there are challenging situations that some fought with everything they had for their marriage, for their children, and, and things might just not have worked out. But God, help this church be a place of healing. Let our children's department, our youth department, be a place where kids can find a group of parents and grandparents that maybe aren't biological, but instead can be spiritual fathers and mothers. Help those who are older to look for ways that they can bless this next generation so that they can say, I love being part of that church. God, in every household, will you Help us speak better in front of our kids. Help us speak better to our kids. Help us not to put them on the back burner, but to make them a first priority, knowing that you have done the same with us.
Help us to lift your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen.
You can go ahead and have a seat this morning. I'll tell you what, I just, this whole message this week weighed heavy on me because there's a lot, you can know we're here in a few weeks, we're going to be emphasizing some things about right to life. Um, there's a breakfast, there's a march, Dr. Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece is going to be speaking down at the state house and we'll give you some information about that soon, how you can support it. From the womb, he's going after our children. Does that make sense? When we talk about right to life, when we talk about abortion, from the time that we are conceived in the womb, Satan is going after our babies. He's, he's on the attack. And, and if I just may lovingly say this week, maybe at home, you could just ease up a little bit when they spill the milk. Maybe you could ease up a little bit when they don't pick up their toys. And maybe you could be thankful that they're there and they still want to jump on mommy or daddy's lap, right? Would that be okay? Hey, I'll tell you what, there's people I give directions to my house. We've got about two acres that can be mowed. And I like to tell them, just look for the yard that looks like an 11-year-old's learning how to mow on it, you know? So if you want to come back by and judge my house, I'll just say, I could care less what my yard looks like. I'm so thankful I can look out there and see an 11-year-old boy learning how to do it and, and, if you will, quote, messing it up. But he's pretty good at it. He might be better than you. So he'll probably be wanting to make some money mowing your yard here in the next couple of years. Um, but I'm sure we could show more grace to our children and I'm sure we could pray more for them. Would that be okay? We need to pray, pray for the whole world's out to get them. The enemy's out there attacking them directly, um, but he's also doing it through the school systems. He's doing it through abortion. He's doing it through all kinds of various means, through social media, video games, television, you name it. Um, so let's lift up our kids. What would Jesus do week one? He would love children. Some of us want to hear a message about, well, we need to pray more. We need to go march more. We need to love children. If, you love, if, if next week you love children more than you did this week, you will have become more Christ-like. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I like when the Scripture is that plain. 
I like when it's that easy. Just if you love kids more this week, you'll be more like Jesus. All right, well, that's been a great, great place to be today. Great to be in the house of the Lord with you. We're going to invite our ushers to come forward. We, this is the time of the service that we receive our, our tithes and offerings. And just about this time, we say goodbye to our, our crowd that's watching online and, and hope that you'll join us at our Rathmel Road campus uh, very, very soon um, to be with us. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, as they're coming, uh, just, just a reminder that uh, we've, we've got a lot of stuff going on um, on Wednesday nights right now. On Wednesday nights right now, church, I, I really don't think some of you under, some of you do, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying you're ignorant. I, I'm just saying if you don't go around to other churches, if you don't drive by places on Wednesday nights, right now on Wednesday nights, we're averaging 130 people. What in the